I'm not gonna lie. If you possess a Y chromosome, this one's probably gonna hurt. Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you a delicious quiche, this is the spinach stuck in your teeth while talking to your date. The essential stuff in between, the personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. I need to get this out of the way. This one is rated PG-13, just because we're going to talk about body parts that make 12-year-olds giggle, and 43-year-olds, everybody really. But it's also gross, so if you're squeamish, know that you've been warned. Amanda Green is a misheard song lyric, and ever since I was a kid, there was one lyric by Cher from the song If I Could Turn Back Time that I always misheard in the weirdest way. Words are like whale bones. They wound sometimes. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but nonetheless, that's the way I heard it. And that's what came to mind first upon hearing the tale of poor Governor Morris, a founding father that you may have forgotten about, if you even had heard of him in the first place. Before we get into the weirder aspects of the man and his unfortunate end, let's talk about the seven words that are his best-known legacy. When assisting the drafting of the Constitution, Governor Morris, and no, that's not a title, it's his name, took a lengthy recitation of states in the first sentence, we the people of the states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts, etc., etc., and decided to tighten that sucker up to we the people of the United States. If James Madison gave us the substance, Morris gave us the style, elevating our founding document through judicious editing. He's referred to as the penman of the Constitution, and he is credited with writing the final form of the document's preamble. Morris also spoke the most of any delegate to the Constitutional Convention. He spoke 173 times during the proceedings. By contrast, James Madison spoke 161 times. It should also be noted that he spoke fervently against slavery calling out the hypocrisy of the southern states in demanding that enslaved people be counted for purposes of representation and yet not be considered citizens for any other purpose, such as voting or taxation. Of this, he said, The admission of slaves into the representation, when fairly explained, comes to this, that the inhabitant of Georgia and South Carolina, who goes to the coast of Africa, and in defiance of the most sacred laws of humanity, tears away his fellow creatures from their dearest connections and damns them to the most cruel bondages, shall have more votes in a government instituted for protection of the rights of mankind than the citizen of Pennsylvania or New Jersey who views with a laudable horror so nefarious a practice. The man did not mince words, but he was dead on the money. The South wanted the upper hand in representation to make sure that slavery would remain in effect, and Morris called them out directly on it. 
although that didn't stop the convention from adopting the Three-Fifths Compromise. When Alexander Hamilton was fatally wounded, Morris, one of Hamilton's friends, sat with him as he lay dying and gave the eulogy at his funeral. Afterward, Morris secretly created a fund for Hamilton's wife and children. But now that we've discussed his more laudable actions, let's talk about the other side of the man who makes Alexander Hamilton look like a prude and yet still doesn't have his own Broadway show. <sighs> See, Governor Morris was an incredibly charismatic man who stood over six feet tall and had a peg leg from a carriage accident at age 28. Even now, in a more piratey form, Morris was still a character, climbing church steeples, running rapids, and just generally being what we would call awesome. But above all, he did love the ladies. So much so, in fact, that the rumors were that he had lost his leg from an injury sustained while jumping from a married woman's balcony to escape from her husband. Such was his taste in unavailable women that when he lost his leg, fellow founding father and friend John Jay wished that Morris had lost something else. Well, just you wait, John Jay. Morris's most famous tryst came while he was a diplomat in France. He engaged in a three-year affair with a married countess and novelist who lived inside the Louvre. Although he was a notorious womanizer, his diaries suggest that he respected his paramours and regarded them as equals in intelligence, which makes him unusual. He shocked all of his friends when he was 57 by announcing at a Christmas party that his housekeeper was now his wife. She gave birth to their only child when he was 61. That brings us to Governor Morris's painful ending. Morris suffered from gout, a painful condition made worse when he came down with a urinary tract blockage in 1816. He attempted to alleviate the pain and clear the blockage by, gentlemen, brace yourselves, inserting a whalebone into his penis. A whalebone. Of course it didn't work. It only caused more injury, which led to more infection, and Governor Morris died on November 6, 1816, in the room he had been born in 64 years prior. Death by infected penis is a deliciously cruel bit of irony for someone with a reputation as a ladies' man. Cher was right. Whale bones do wound sometimes. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just want to debate other horrifying ways to die? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening, and God bless America.